Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Yep, of course. That's exactly right. Of course. Sit down, you big lug, as we welcome you in. My costume is literally so I didn't have to wash my hair as we say <laughs> hi and happy Halloween. I'm Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles. Of course, Amal Shaw, and we'll welcome in the big guy. And now, just I just let, would like to clarify as we say hi to you, understand that everything starts with a Attention and attention in 2023 is currency, whether it's on social media, but it all begins in the crib where Dustin Sweetelson didn't get enough attention. So now we fast forward to 2023 when my man is damn near nearing 40 years old and he comes to set dressed like a freaking Teletubby. Okay, we'll introduce the purple one in just a second. A big theme today on the program will be, of course, trades as we've got a huge trade in the NBA. I can't believe what the Clippers just down the road are thinking. We'll get to that in just a second. We've got a couple of big trades as we are now just an hour away from the trade deadline in the NFL and two big defensive names are on the move. So we'll get to those coming up in just a little bit. Good job by Amal Shaw with my Honolulu blue and silver Detroit Lions. An easy cover there. 26-4 a little backdoor action with the miss field goal late, as you mentioned, and under caches. A couple interesting storylines coming out of that game. One positive with the rookie for the Lions, Jameer Gibbs. One negative for the Raiders, and that is they have to move on from their head coach. They have to move on from their wide receiver. They have to move on from a dried-up Jimmy Garoppolo, and that franchise is just a mess. We've got World Series Game 4 tonight as the Rangers Rangers pick up a win. However, the Adolis Garcia injury looms rather largely. That's the introduction on this Halloween, October 31st, 2023. Hope you're all doing well. And we say hi to Amal Shaw. Hi, Amal. How are you? I'm doing great. Love the hat there, by the way. Good look. I feel like if I was in the Caribbean and I needed to get something that probably wasn't necessarily legal, you'd probably be the guy I'd go to based on that hat right there. And then, <laughs> I could get you yeah. I could get you whatever you need. Yeah, they, they're I like, could. go see that man right over there. He can help you get set up with what you need. And then, of course, I'm glad you mentioned 
Teletubby because I had no idea what the hell he was dressed as. And as no surprise to anybody, I came dressed as only myself. Uh, but I got to tell you, there's no way this guy lasts three hours through this snowsuit he's got on over here. Well, here's the thing, and, and I mean this affectionately, and I mean it lovingly, and I, I and there's just no other way to say it. Dustin's an idiot, okay, and like it, it, he, he's a very valuable employee. I've been working with him for a long time. He does a lot of great stuff for Veasan. He is he's kind of like Tom Brookins. Look it up, kids. Back in the day, he can play second, can play short, can do a lot of things. Utility, but it, it's just he's gotten to a point in his life where desperation has set in, and. While he's a nice little handicapper and does a good job producing the show, has somehow nudged you and I out of the way and somehow <laughs> is one third of the show on the air. That is one of the most miraculous things that happened at any network that's ever existed. Hey, I'll produce your show. Why are you hosting it? So as we say hi to the big guy, Amal, and this is just going to be insufferable. Uh, <coughs> Dustin, welcome to the show. How's it going? Hi, I'm Tinky Winky. That's my exact name, Tinky Winky. Reg, can you're you cut tinky, his mic? You're Tinky, tinky winky. winky. Tinky Winky. He's the best Teletubby. He's the most fun Teletubby. What is, what is, what, what, what's a, I'll play your game. What's a Teletubby? Why are you dressed as one? It's a TV show for children from like the early 2000s that came on in the afternoon and they were just fun loving little creatures that kind of rolled around and to Amal's point, this is basically a snowsuit. There's a ton of padding at the bottom and I am soaked in sweat and I've been wearing it for about seven minutes. So I also haven't thought about how I'm going to use the restroom. And you know I go at least like once or twice a show, so that's going to be an issue as well. Uh, however, I am very happy to be bringing Tinky Winky to our audience. Yeah. Patrick, real quick question for uh, Dustin. How much did you pay sure. for this snowsuit? You don't want to know. You know what? Did you, you buy it, it at one of those? Did you buy it at one of those pop-ups where you walk in and they look like carnival barkers with two teeth and trying to <laughs> slang stuff at you, and then they close down out of nowhere within thirty-six hours? No, because they would have to uh, stitch like three of their regular costumes together to make this one. I had to go to a special store. Okay, so just a couple of things with the Teletubbies. Uh, one, you're too old to have watched the Teletubbies, and two, you don't have children. So how did this idea come to you? That's not true. I could have been really weird as a adolescent and watched it then. That, that's not true. I definitely could have watched it. Uh, I went on the website to look for a costume. Luckily, I did not buy the Macho Man Randy Savage costume because Mitch Moss was wearing the exact one I was going to buy this morning on Follow the Money, and then I couldn't have worn it on this show. So I happened and just look and I was like you know what what's the dumbest costume on this entire website and I went with this one nailed it nailed it <laughs> you know it's I'm over the sh I've gotten over the shtick and I will say I'm all sitting to your your left so it might be a little bit less jarring just looking at you in the screen you look you look absolutely freaking ridiculous there's a good <laughs> There's a profile. Good job, Liz. There's a profile shot of the big guy. And, you know, there is no shame in his game because he does have crushes on like three or four oh. waitresses at the D where they broadcast from their bar Canada. Stop by and say hello to the boys. My assumption is, Amal, I can't I can't think this is going to help him in any way with the girls he has crushes on. They're going to look at him as an idiot. I have to wipe. I, I would Hang agree on. with you about 90 percent of the way. Now, if they're big into Halloween and dressing up in terms of costume and other things, 
things like that. I know Heidi Klum is big into that, so you're probably going to have a better chance with her than you might with some of the waitresses here. But I have a feeling she's not stopping by the D in this life. Oh, she can if stop Dustin by the D walks away today, wants. having you know, with Heidi Klum as his uh, love affection, then the Lions winning a Super Bowl will cease to be amazing. <laughs> so, like, so I'm I'm assuming nothing's going to happen with old H Klum, but uh, uh, otherwise. Who who is Shorty? Some some chick she saw me and she was like I think it's Elizabeth I can't tell she Elizabeth eh, maybe it's not Ooh, no it's a thick. different one I don't know her, uh, she's got a okay. French beret on she's, she's got the, the the waitress has a good look he, maybe maybe it's this maybe it's you know he's an older man uh, he is me? obviously somebody that would I mean listen you're almost forty and you're dressed up as a Teletubby maybe it's something like you know what he doesn't take life too seriously he's got a little energy maybe girls will get into it I don't hate it. Good oh, I'll, you. I just have to cut a hole in this for later then. And with that, we transition. <laughs> uh, good job by the big guy. If there, I, I guess we should set odds on will he make it through the whole show, Amal, with that uh, no, dumb helmet on or whatever that they're is. They're not taking action on I'm that. That's off the board. Sweating. There's no chance. There, <laughs> okay, this guy's so. got a goalie's outfit on. By the end of the show, he's going to lose nine pounds. <laughs> Who invited Grant Fuhrer? <laughs> <laughs> and, you have to, and you have to wear the gloves, too, you big dumb. I don't know. I can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you have to. Um, okay, a couple things. Uh, let's get into the breaking news, and, and then we'll get to the Lions. And we've got plenty to do. We've got the college football, the committees releasing their first rankings today. Remember, it's one of five and then the final one, so six in total. We've come up with our own one through six on the show, so we'll get to those uh, coming up. We've got Dabo's audio. I don't know, Amal, if you did listen to it. It's fascinating. Specifically in the Deep South, all these coaches have their own call-in shows because they get paid on their local radio station to sit for an hour a week and take calls from bumpkins that absolutely know nothing. Anyway, Dabo took a call from this guy and it was freaking amazing. It was great. I, I can't wait to hear get it? into it. I heard the whole thing. I can't wait to get we get into it. I love his rebuttal, but I'm going to tell you something. I got some stats to kind of back up. It may not be Dabo, but it's the fact that there's no Brent Venables. I've got the before Venables, the, the Venables time, and then after Venables, what Dabo Sweeney's record is. So we'll get into that a little bit later on. Yeah, and Dabo may want to do one thing. He may want to start taking transfers. Also, he's <laughs> yes. missed on his last two quarterbacks. That doesn't oh, help either. Great <laughs> so point. We'll get to, we'll get to Dabo uh, in just a little bit. Uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this audio. Uh, but we start with some, I, I guess you want to call it breaking news, the San Francisco 49ers were pretty good on defense. Now they're in the midst of a three-game losing streak, and they've just added somebody, Amal Shaw, you know very well, and that is Chase Young has been trading. Now, no surprise here. The commanders were going to make some moves. They made a move earlier this morning, which we'll get to, but the one just going down, the commanders are trading defensive end and former number two overall pick, Chase Young, to the 49ers. This is from Jake Laser. A massive move, Amal, for the 49ers. Yeah, this is huge. Now he's going to be paired up again with Nick Bosa, who he was with at college at Ohio State. But this is going to be an opportunity for Chase Young to revitalize his fledgling career. Patrick, you've got some pretty good sources. You had told me off air back in the summer that Chase Young is not well liked or respected within that Washington locker room. They had declined his fifth year option on the number two overall pick. This really doesn't come as a surprise that they moved on from him. And if you're Chase Young, you got to look at this as a fresh start, but an opportunity to really showcase what your talent truly can be. And I think this is going to be 
really a make or break for the rest of his career, potentially, Patrick. Plays well with Bosa. I think you'd see some uh, many suitors in the offseason as he becomes a free agent. If not, he's a guy that's going to get uh, signed fairly inexpensively to a team that probably is just desperate for a pass rusher. And prior to that, Amal, Montez Sweat, so another first-rounder, another edge on the move from the Commanders. Remember, the Commanders under the new Josh Harris ownership group. So, uh, again, they've they paid the two big boys, the Alabama boys, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, in the middle. They've already paid them. They need to free up. So they go edge, one, Chase Young over to San Francisco, and Sweat goes to Chicago for a second-rounder. What doesn't make any sense, and Lombardi's been all over this, why would would Chicago give up a second rounder? They're renting him in a year where it doesn't matter. He's going to be a free agent. I would agree with you. This made no sense to me from a Bears perspective. Why would you give up a second round pick, which you're looking at potentially somewhere between 33 and 36 at worst as the draft pick? You want to be able to improve your team through the draft if you're the Bears. Patrick Lombardi's absolutely right on this one. I, I just don't get the decision. Now, it could be something that they start to, I don't know, what are you looking to move? Sweat somewhere else? I have no idea. you got about an hour to do it. I just don't get the move overall because Montez Sweat is going to be a free agent after the season, as you said. We've got a wide receiver on the move, and we've got a quarterback on the move. This one may shock. When we return, we'll get to it. I would ask your opinion, Dustin, but you look like Barney from the planet Mars. It's weird. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, right now, new customers, DraftKings, bet $5 to get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you use the promo code SHARP, S-H-A-R-P. It's a great deal. Remember, every day, all bettors, a no-sweat, same-game parlay over at DraftKings. But if you're new and use the promo code SHARP, bet 5 bucks, get $200 instantly in bonus bets. We got you back here. Happy Halloween from all of us here. Sharp Money, Dustin dressed as a Teletubby, of course. You knew something was going to go down. I'm all Shaw. I'm Patrick Maher. Our next guest we've been talking to for years. He's one of the best to do it when it comes to the NBA. We usually wait to bother Matt Moore until the season's kind of found a groove. But there was a huge trade today as James Harden was traded from the Philadelphia 76ers to the Los Angeles Clippers. So to discuss that and the ramifications, we bring in the Action Network's NBA writer at HP Basketball on Twitter. The podcast is Buckets, available wherever you get your podcasts. And he is Matt Moore. Hi, Matt. How are you? Doing well, man. How are you all? Good to, good to talk to you. Thank you and crunch time for doing this for us. We're doing well. Harden to the Clippers, your first reaction was? Thank God it's over. <laughs> Thank God we can move on. Both teams can move on. It's done. I think the, the most immediate reactions were uh, the Clippers really kind of lucked out in getting P.J. Tucker. Uh, he's 38, but having that kind of added value to this package – I had known for quite some time that this was probably going to happen, that even when there was talk that the Clippers were not interested in Harden, that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both were very uh, interested and insistent on the Clippers getting him. So that was probably going to happen because stars get their way in the NBA. And so it's not surprising that it happened. It'll be interesting to see how they balance all of this out. For the Sixers, there's an interesting kind of set of outcomes here, right? Where, yes, uh, they get more pieces they can maybe package and trade. But if they can't find that trade, the question then becomes, these contracts are all expiring. Does that mean that they wind up moving on? Does that mean that that Joel Embiid won't be there long term in Philadelphia? I think these are all interesting questions. We don't know all of how this trade is going to work out, but in the immediate, it's a fascinating trade for all sides. And uh, most importantly, Tyrese Maxey, most improved player, gained a lot of value last night. I love Tyrese Maxey. I'm glad you mentioned him. But, Matt, I want to stay on the Clippers here for a second. How does this work as a collective? You've got two former MVPs. You've got a finals MVP. You've got a player uh, several years ago in Paul George at one point was considered one of the top two or three players in the NBA. Uh, How does the ball distribution, the egos, how does that all fit into the locker room in Los Angeles? It seems like it's too much that there's only one ball. I will say that we have a pretty good history of star players being able to figure out how to play, that they can figure out how to make things work and unlock what they need to in certain situations. Um, The other thing I think kind of to remember here is that 
Kawhi Leonard's entire thing is can't stay healthy enough and durable enough to make it through the regular season, but he's a beast when the playoff comes. James Harden thing is that he can dominate throughout the course of a regular season and give you 12 assists a night, but he has troubles in the playoffs. What if Harden carries Kawhi through the regular season and Kawhi gets James Harden through the playoffs where he struggled so much? What if that's the way that this works out? That's a pretty good equation for how this could benefit all parties. It's going to require a balance and sacrifice by all of them. We'll see if they're willing to make it, especially with Harden still looking for one more massive new deal. They're all on expiring contracts. There's a lot to balance here. It can work. It's just a matter of how much faith you have in this combination to sacrifice. And I don't blame people if they're a little skeptical. How would you, Matt Moore, Action Network, one of the best around, how would you envision, let's talk about the postseason, how would you envision this Clippers offense looking with a Westbrook, with a Harden, with a George, and with a Leonard? Use your, use your basketball savant brain to kind of paint the picture of what the offense looks like. Give me a lot of your turn, my turn. Like That's just how they're kind of built. Kawhi Leonard doesn't really operate in a lot of super complicated schemes. Now, the good thing about Kawhi is that he's hyper-efficient no matter how you use him. You want to remove him off screen, he's efficient. Isolation, efficient. Post-up, efficient. All over the place. That versatility is one of the things that makes him so valuable as a player and an MVP-level candidate when he's healthy and playing at his best. Paul George, I think, is actually going to fit in pretty well here. The thing with PG is he likes to let the game come to him. So he'll have these stretches where he scores 15 and a quarter, and then he kind of drifts away, and then he comes back and will finish it off. So he's comfortable kind of going with the ebbs and flows of how a game progresses. Uh, Harden and Westbrook, we've seen that together before to not great results. That's maybe what I have the most concerns about. I will say that I think Ty Lue is a good coach to try and make this work. They're going to shoot a lot of threes, and that efficiency I think will help a lot with carrying them through some of the problems and getting them to work together. Matt, the Denver Nuggets are defending champions. They haven't skipped a beat 4-0 to start. I know they haven't played a murderer's row schedule, Lakers, Grizzlies, without John Morant. Uh, but this team looks like they are better than they potentially were last year. I know it's early, but tell me what you're seeing out of them that's been so effective. The cohesion, you know, I'm at those games. I talked to Aaron Gordon on ring night and kind of asked him about, I was like, look, you guys had only 11 turnovers and shot 60% from the field versus the Lakers. You know, how do you pull that off in the first game of the season? He said, honestly, it feels like we just stopped playing yesterday. Their cohesion and comfort, the continuity that they have together. All these other teams are trying to figure out how to play together. Dame and Giannis and Drew and KP with the Jays. The Nuggets know all this stuff. They understand how to play together and they have such a trust. Jokic is obviously who makes it all come together. But I'll say this. They're winning the bench minutes. If you're not going to win the non-Jokic minutes, best of luck to you. Because there's zero way that you're getting out of that game. Uh, I was kind of worried about what the Nuggets were going to be this season. Concerned that they would be that championship hangover and that there would be some problems, especially with the bench replacing Bruce Brown. Not only have they not skipped a beat, they're better. Uh, and that makes me think that this, there's a possibility this could be a 60-win team this season if they stay healthy. Yeah, the Nuggets are a wagon. Now, the East, obviously there's a clear you know, one and two, that being Boston and Milwaukee, however you want to rank them, Matt. But let's talk about Philly. We all love Maxi. You know, it's almost like Embiid, obviously, they get a couple of pieces and some picks from the Clippers, but just getting the headache and having that black cloud go away or just the ominous presence of Harden go away. What do you see for the 76ers moving forward this year? I kind of get the sense that one of the reasons they made this trade is because of, <clears throat> of how the season started, that because things have gone so well to start and Maxie's playing so well, 
that this gives them an opportunity for them to kind of buy in a little bit, right? Like you have a little bit more leverage and you can, you don't have to get a star player back in return in this trade. You can get this package and then buy time with how Maxi's playing next to Embiid and get yourself to the deadline and maybe look into getting a Zach Levine, getting an OG Anobi, getting a Pascal Siakam. That's going to be the goal for them. Um, but they are a really solid team. They're, <clears throat> I think the uh, coaching Nick Nurse has done early has paid dividends. They seem really invested. Joel's playing as, be- as well as he ever has, uh, including last season. And so I think that there's a really good chance here uh, for the Sixers to have a good season now. The question is just going to be, where's Embiid's head at? He sees this return, doesn't know what they're going to get. If they don't get anything at the deadline, what does that do for his future in Philly? There are teams with the Knicks and Heat that are keeping a very, very, very close eye on how Joel Embiid is feeling about the situation in Philadelphia. Matt, Patrick and I discussed the other day, I've never heard of a team holding a players-only meeting after the first game. And that's exactly what the Chicago <laughs> Bills, Bulls did after game one. They're 2-2 two and two right now. Top seven minutes guys from last year are back for the Bulls. What do you make of that? I mean, are you familiar with the team ever doing something like that? And how, what do you see the potential for the Chicago team? Because they do have some pieces that are pretty good at the top with uh, Levine and uh, DeMar DeRozan. You know, honestly, in some ways, I actually think it it's, it's, might be a little bit of a good thing because I did, I did kind of wonder about this. If the Bulls have expectations and standards they want to meet and they know from the very first game that they have not met them, it's good that the veterans on that team were like, no, 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 we're not starting off like this. We're not letting this slide. We're nipping this in the bud right now. We're going to correct this right off the gate. And honestly, they played better. The biggest thing is that their defense was just horrendous in that first contest. And for them to come back, and they held the Pacers. Now, the Pacers missed a bunch of shots last night. I had the over. That was a bummer. But they also played much better defense. This was the sixth-best defense in the league last year, which almost nobody can believe when I tell them that with the Bulls because of their personnel. But Billy Donovan's a really good defensive coach, and their system works together. I think this team has a little bit of upside. I actually kind of think that maybe that situation could be a good thing in the long term. The ongoing thing is just, I don't think that DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine make each other better. And I think that splitting up that pair would be good for both parties. Uh, The question is going to be, what does that look like? And what does that mean if they pivot to more of a rebuild going forward with DeRozan, a free agent this summer? Matt Moore, the Action Network NBA writer, does a great job at HP Basketball. The podcast is buckets. Thanks for doing this, Matt. We needed it. Appreciate it. Have a good day. Anytime for y'all. Take care. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Matt Moore. He's, he and JVT. Didn't JVT and Matt Moore recently do a podcast, big guy? Was that, Am I mistaken? They did, and they recently met. I guess it's not that recent now. Summer League, uh, where everyone comes together here in Vegas. and First time they met in person. I'm happy to hear that, because I think those are two of the sharper sharper minds in the association. I have plenty more. I'm sure you do as well, Amal. I have plenty more to say about Harden to the... I laughed out loud by myself with the donk dog this morning when I saw it. And I'm just like, it's just a Hail Mary. It, that's all it is with the Clippers. Expiring contracts. Let's throw a Hail Mary and see what we can come up with. It's hilarious, though. Good luck with all of that. Jeff Kerr, NFL, next. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
Sharp Money, VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, betting splits, money and bets for every game, updated every five minutes, straight from DraftKings, today's games and future events as well. Make sure you check out the betting splits, make them a part of your betting arsenal over at vsin.com. I'm all Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. Happy Halloween. I'm Patrick Maher. Our buddy Tim Jenkins, quarterback guru, trainer, film analyst, all things QB on YouTube. Make sure you check out the channel. He does a great job. Of course, at T Jenkins Elite on Twitter. We love talking to Tim. I'm just curious. I I think you have children. So what's the plan for Halloween in Colorado there with the Jenkins clan today? Yeah, I mean, thinking is a thinking that's a good call. We got four, six and under. So my wife and I are cranking them out at the factory over here. She uh, obviously can't keep her paws off me. So tonight will be no different. She'll be the naughty nurse. No, I'm kidding. We uh, listen. We're gonna be Spider Man and his amazing friends. So I am Green Goblin, which means my wife got me like a little green ball I can rock some kids with as we're walking down the street and. The kids are all the Spider-Man characters, and she is Doc Ock. So a couple of villains, a lot of then four little superheroes running around. It'll be good. It'll be good. We're, you know, it's uh, when you've got young kids, it's funny because I think we're starting today at like 430. So I, uh, you know, I'll be in bed by seven, which is, I guess, exciting. <laughs> Completely different than uh, some of the guys that are probably walking around the studio gambling are going to have they're going to have a little different night <laughs> well it, first off four, <laughs> four kids six and under tim i don't know if there's a right aid or a cvs near you but you may want to stop in uh just as an aside <laughs> secondly secondly uh, is it, <laughs> jesus is it like do you take a roadie with you do you have like a cocktail is it overwhelming like what's the process like uh, you know, it's easy money. Yeah. You got your Yeti full, you push the stroller, you smile at every other dad who'd rather be golfing and you, you get through it. Right. I think you, uh, yeah, you just yes. smile, you okay. wave. We're all in this together. When you see other dads with kids, you know, they got their face painted too. My wife's going to paint my face green. You just, you smile, you get through it. It's for them. Um, you still have the flashbacks of, you know, mom dressing up as a bumblebee. Like you, you, you had your time and now it's about them. So <laughs> it's so funny. That's great. Tim <laughs> Jenkins, quarterback guru here, sharp money. So I'm sure you heard Minnesota and it's a bummer for cousins. Dustin had a big ticket on him for MVP. Cousins was playing great there for the Vikings, but the ACL, uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about cousins and how he was performing with no run game and they went and grab Josh Dobbs. I, it, it weird, right? Like four and 14 Joshua Dobbs. I don't know what the plan is here for the Vikings. Yeah, one, it's it's definitely a bummer for Kurt because I think everybody, you know, I he's one of those guys that I do not think it's the right amount of love. I think he goes out there, he is a really great teammate, he plays his tail off, and then, you know, yeah, you guys nailed it. He was making a heck of a run this year without a run game. So it's a real bummer for him. I think, I don't know how much the Dobbs thing, you know, I'm with you. I don't know how much it makes sense. What I do know is, Dobbs to me is one of those guys and he's not performing at Geno's level last year, but I do think he's one of those guys that has taken the second chance and kind of Tannehill did a little bit, right? He's playing good to a, you know, above average football on a team that I think is doing its best to not play well right in Arizona. And he all of a sudden has them, you know, more respectable than I think we all thought they would be at the beginning of the season. And I just, to me, it's, 
it's kind of weird, I guess, on the Vikings part because I'm not sure how I'm not sure how you're going to get it done without Kirk. I think it's going to be interesting to see what Dobbs can do and how he can kind of pull it together up there. I also thought it was funny because they were like, oh, we're not in the quarterback market, and then all of a sudden they traded for him, right? So I just think it's like it goes to show what you can learn from uh, NFL press conferences. Tim, two-part question. First of all, what's your overall assessment on Brock Purdy? And then it's just just a little bit of a valley in so far what's been a career that's been peaking as soon as he started for the 49ers. And any long-term concerns for you based on the last three weeks? You know, we talked about him at the beginning of the season, right? We came on here and we, we kind of talked and it was, it was one of those where we were saying, man, he makes all the good throws, but it was he had a miss here or a miss there. And, and I jokingly said it was Jimmy G ish in the Super Bowl, right? Like it was yeah. that similar miss. Then all of a sudden you, you're starting to see it. Re- it it kind of started in Cleveland, right? Not that, not that that was what did it, but it was like, it was a bad weather game. He kind of struggles, gets him an opportunity to win late. They missed the field goal. And then it's kind of snowball from there. I don't want to say it's long-term concerns because I don't think that he's playing I, I think if you were to really look at him graded out on film, right? I, it's not like a dramatic drop off in his decision making. What I do think we're seeing is a little bit of reality of quarterbacks when some of their weapons are in and out of the lineup, right? Like when you don't, when when certain guys get knocked out of the, you know certain games for injury, that of course hurts every quarterback. It really hurts guys like Brock that are efficient from the pocket and make a great decision. Because being efficient in the pocket and making a great decision and getting a check down to Christian McCaffrey or Debo is completely different than not those guys, right? Those guys can take a check down 35 yards, whereas most guys take it for four. So to me, I think maybe that's a little bit more of what we're seeing is how the San Fran offense is so dynamic, but it is playmaker dependent, which every NFL team is, right? It's not like there's a team who's like, oh, we got – you know, five F's that can go out there and take the roof off the defense. Like we don't, we don't even have 10 of those in the league. So we definitely don't have a bunch on one team. So I think that's probably what we're seeing. I don't think it's cause for long-term concern. I do think the reality for Niners fans is for them to make a run like every team, they have to stay healthy. And you can see how Brock might not be that guy who can overcome lack of talent around him. But I just, there's not that many quarterbacks on planet earth who can do that. Tim, when you watch Zach Wilson, obviously he has arm talent. He was overdrafted, but he's just he's just not very good. Is it you played the position, you trained the position. Is it a like is it a feel for Wilson that he's missing? Like what is it about Zach Wilson when you watch him objectively that's just not there? I think it's lack of willingness to play within the system if I'm being honest. I think there's a lot of free reading stuff. I think there's a lot of uncertainty and I don't know if that's really him being objectively like, I don't want to play within the system or if it's him just being like, man, I don't know where I need to go with the football against this coverage. I think for him, I I really think he, I think quarterbacks, man, it's a It's walking a fine line between when to play them and when not to play them. And then what guys are built to not get fried by a bad experience, right? There's not that many guys on planet earth. I think who can get put into a high pressure, high exposure job, fail and stay at it. When your organization is kind of more or less 
likes you but doesn't like you. I just don't think there's that many guys walking around on planet Earth because I even think back about Peyton, right? Peyton goes to Indianapolis, sets the record for interceptions. Then, but they're all in on him the whole time. To me, that's a different framework than going in as a rookie struggling and then they're kind of like, okay, hey, where are we going to go next? Is this our guy? So to me, I think he just, obviously wasn't built for that moment. And then I, now I think we're just seeing like the remnants of that. And it's exactly what we expect it to be, right? They're trying to hang on for dear life until all of a sudden Rogers can make what I guess is just the fastest Achilles recovery ever. Tim, how many times in your career when the game was on the line on fourth down and 10, did you decide to take the sack? You know, what's funny is not that many. And I had a lot of those moments at Fort Lewis college, man. We went, uh, eight and 31. There wasn't, they didn't draft me cause I was a winner. That wasn't, uh, what the Rams were thinking when I was coming out. So we had a lot of those moments. I was, I was damn good at throwing it up. Now. I don't know if that always ended up better. Cause I threw a ton of interceptions, but that was probably just cause I was playing with like one eye back there. If you thought Jameis had bad vision problems, wait till you see some old Fort Lewis college tape with Tim Jenkins. That's the vision <laughs> issues and trying to fit some stuff in there that you shouldn't. <laughs> well, we know you have good aim on your personal life. Uh, Tim Jenkins. <laughs> good... <laughs> sorry. 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 It was way too easy. I apologize. Uh, anyway, good luck with the kids and Halloween. <laughs> All things QB on YouTube. T Jenkins elite on Twitter. He's the best. Mr. Jenkins. Patrick, I know what we're getting him for Christmas. (laughs) Yeah, I do too. Thank you, Tim. Enjoy Halloween with the kids. I appreciate you, fellas. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Wait, no, the crazy part about that was Dustin put his head in his hands. You know how many years we've worked together? I'm the one that I can't believe you went there. What is that? What are you you doing over there? No, it was a sense of pride. I'm not used to hearing that come out of someone else's mouth. You're proud. I knew it. You're proud of me. <laughs> it was probably the best moment of your Italian career. I'm going to submit it for a Marconi. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was for you, big guy. I, I felt that one coming and I'm like, Dustin's going to be proud. Anyway, Jenkins is great. That kid's got a great personality. What's that? Nothing. <laughs> okay. Hey, when we come back, let's do our top six. The college football playoff rankings. The committee's going to release their first rankings today. We've got our own six. We're going to go through those next. Here, Sharp Money. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. 
the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Happy Halloween, Sharp Money, V-CIN, the Sports Betting Network. Amal Shaw, producer Dustin Sweetelson, dressed as a Teletubby. I'm Patrick Maher, and we're going to welcome in our buddy Brandon Marcello. Of course, 24-7 sports national college football reporter does a great job at B Marcello on Twitter. And as we say hi, hi, Brandon, thank you for joining. If we could have a little fun, what we did is we've got the college football playoff committee releasing a little bit later today, their first official rankings. Uh, We just went through and gave our top six. Are you willing to play with us? And what I mean by that is it's not what you think the college football committee is going to do. We just want to know the six best teams you've seen this year. Now we can, you can talk through it if you'd like, but I'd love to know your top six. Sure. I'll list them off right now. Uh, Number one, Michigan, Uh, Florida State, Georgia, Washington, Ohio State, then Oregon. Great. Okay, Amal, let's go ahead. Let's get at the list because this is a good one. So Michigan, I'm guessing the most balanced team you've seen. Obviously, the schedule isn't quite there. Would you like to elaborate on what you've seen from Michigan? Yeah, most balanced team, deepest team as well. They can get you to play any style, and they will dominate you in doing so, stealing signs or not. They are the most talented and deepest team in college football. And also, they got a quarterback in J.J. McCarthy who seemingly is getting better like every single week and can take over games. And he hasn't really had to yet because they haven't had the tough schedule, as you said, but there will come the moment when he has a chance to shine. And I think he will. I mean, he nearly did it last year in the semifinal against TCU. That was a fantastic game to watch in person. And he almost willed them to victory himself. I've got Michigan number one. Uh, I think they are by far, not by far, but to me, a clear cut number one. 
Patrick, I have no objection with that. I think Georgia's starting to come on with Carson Beck, but the way the Wolverines have played, no team's had a first and goal against them. It's hard to go against what they've done defensively. They've been absolutely elite. You look at so many of the scores have come in garbage town time, excuse me. So they've been thoroughly dominant. I uh, want to ask you quickly, kind of tying into the Heisman. Last week, I said Bo Nix at 12 to 1 is a great bet. I think the Heisman's going to come down to two players Bo Nix and McCarthy at Michigan. I, as, as well as Penix has played, I believe Oregon wins the rematch. Um, tell me what you've seen from Bo Nix and the resurgence that's happened with him and Dan Lanning and Eugene that didn't take place in uh, Auburn, Alabama. It's insane. You know, I was uh, an Auburn beat reporter when Bo Nix came to Auburn. And if you told me he would even be like half as good as he is at Oregon right now, I probably wouldn't have believed you even that. It's hmm. it's incredible how far he's come. One, I think a lot of that has to do with the talent that's around him. The talent's so much better at Oregon than it was at Auburn at that time, especially along the offensive front. But here's the other thing. I just, I guess I don't give him the benefit of the doubt enough because going into the season, I thought he would take a half step back because Kenny Dillingham, his OC, was going to Arizona State, and Kenny did a lot of things to design that offense to be around the strengths of Bo Nix, whether it was doing quarter rollouts and everything to get him moving and thinking on his feet a little bit more. But he's even better this season. Um, it's insanely overlooked, and I'm with you. He's going to be in New York City for the Heisman ceremony. And as you said, man, I, I think we're all just kind of counting down, thinking we're going to see that rematch between Washington and Oregon. Um, but as you said, J.J. McCarthy, I think, is going to have more opportunities down the stretch to be the number one guy on the Heisman ballots. Because as you guys know, a lot of people turn those ballots in before championship weekend and everything. And Michigan's going to have the tougher games here to show out. <clears throat> the entire nation's on that got their attention on Michigan right now for a lot of reasons. But they've got Ohio State, obviously. And if Michigan makes it three in a row against Ohio State and J.J. McCarthy's a big reason for that, I, I'm with you. I think JJ would win it, but I'm I'm with you too. I would I would put some bon money on Bo Nix because that's a good good bet to take right now at twelve to one. Who would you pick, Brandon, on a neutral rematch, Washington, Oregon? Oregon. Uh, I mean, Oregon should have won uh, at Washington. I, I think there was maybe some boneheaded play calls in that game that held them back, not just on the fourth downs, mm. but. Yeah, Oregon by far, and not just because of these last two weeks, but because of the first time they met. Play that at a neutral site, Oregon wins that game. We, we completely concur. We love the Ducks here. I think they're a complete team. I mean, they're three yards away from being the number one team in college football. Uh, I want to ask you about a team that went at the polar opposite end of the spectrum based on not taking a knee. That's the Miami Hurricanes. You had a great article on 24-7 talking about Mario Cristobal and, re and, and developing a resurgence there. First of all, from your perspective, did the loss against Georgia Tech beat them twice? Because I, I really felt like if they beat Tech, they probably beat Carolina. I know they got lost by double digits. And then where do you see this program heading? Because it looked like to me, I said before they had the debacle against Tech, I would look at Miami as a dark horse to win the ACC. Yeah, potentially. You know what was really killing them in the first four weeks of the season were turnovers. Yeah. They were just turning the ball over left and right. And even like the 50-50 balls, they were losing those. Um, that's why they lost against Tech, obviously, not just at FOMO, but uh, elsewhere earlier in that game. North Carolina, they turned the ball over like crazy. But then guess what? The Clemson game, they won the turnover battle. And they won the game as a result. And not only did they beat Clemson, I know Clemson's not as good as they have been, but they were trailing Clemson by double digits in the fourth quarter. And Cristobal said, we're not going to rush things. We're not going to throw the ball over the yard. 
we got time to run the ball and play into our own identity and force our will against them in the trenches along the offensive and defensive lines. And that's exactly what they did. And that's the identity that Mario Cristobal wants to build with his teams. He did it at Oregon. And that's a big reason why Oregon is where it is today, because they built that identity in the trenches. And Dan Lanning has supplemented that and complemented that and obviously got a tremendous quarterback in Bo Nix to really spark things there. And, um, you know, I still think Miami's like two years away. They still have a lot of holes, guys, a lot of holes. But, you know, they should be a team that has one loss right now, which is kind of crazy to think, um, considering some of the deficiencies on that, that roster they're dealing with. Bama has one loss. Here comes LSU with two. Break down this matchup for us, Brandon. I don't know if Alabama can keep up with LSU offensively. And to me, that's really it. Uh, I think Alabama's got a top five defense nationally. But if LSU scores 28 points in this, what makes you think Alabama is going to be able to score four touchdowns potentially? They'd, I think they'd have to play a game where they don't turn the ball over more than once against LSU. And I know LSU's had their issues, especially in that secondary, because of some depth issues, but mostly because of the injuries. But to me, it just comes down to, do you believe that Jalen Milrow and Alabama can play drive-to-drive with LSU's offense and Jaden Daniels? I'm not so sold on that. I ask you in state college, Penn State loses another game against Ohio State. I think they were one for 16 on third down. If you are Penn State, the chancellor of the athletic department, I mean, do you retain James Franklin long term? And I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but at some point in time, if you're Penn State, the expectation is you can beat Ohio State and Michigan. Man, that's a gigantic question. And I would not want to be the president AD making that call because you put yourself in a situation of, yeah, we want to break through that ceiling. We can't keep it in our head against it every year. And at some point you'll have to make a decision there, but I'm not saying this is like a Nebraska situation where you're winning nine, 10 games a year and everybody's like, well, we want to win 12 like we used to. Well, maybe Penn state can't do that, but Penn state's a much different situation. They can recruit nationally. We know that they're in a good spot, facilities, everything. Um, What's really sucks now and makes it more so difficult is that this was the year they should have beaten Ohio State. We all know that. Yeah, it was on the road, but still they had the talent, the depth, and they just it's more of the same. And not just that, but offensively, it's it's bad. I mean, we thought the offense was going to change this year because of Drew being the quarterback and it, it hasn't. They are still going to be very conservative try to play and trick you into making a mistake in your own. And then they'll beat you and ground it out in these big matchups. But history has shown that that doesn't work under James Franklin. And um, I guess maybe you should just be happy winning 10 games and maybe every four years win to win 11 or 12. But the issue is, is they're not doing that anymore. It's been since what, 2016, seven years now since they won the big 10, when there's a little bit of a lull there. Um, that's a difficult decision. I don't think you give him a long-term deal. I mean, he's already got a very long deal anyway, a big deal, I should say. But um, especially nowadays, I go into a whole rant about all this. Like, I think the days of long-term deals are about to end. Um, and the reason for that is because I'm actually writing something this this week. Our coaching carousel starts up this week. And we haven't really had any big-time firings this year yet. Um, I think this we're kind of hitting the reset button on what the coaching carousel looks like as we go forward because nil sure big buyout sure but also the playoff expanding kind of resets expectations across the country 
and what to expect. And I think that these long-term deals are about to start becoming passe. I want to, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have um, a few minutes to do another spot with us? Because I'd like to ask you about some of those coaches. Sure. Let's do it. Okay. Before we go to break, you see, we just got about a minute and a half. We'll come back and I actually want to talk to you because the vibes like seriously right now in Los Angeles, the vibes around USC are horrendous. So I want to hear what Brandon's hearing as Washington is in town this weekend. But as we go to break, what'd you think of Dabo's reaction to the phone call? I'm sure you heard it. Dabo came with receipts when a young man called and questioned him. I I mean, Dabo's Dabo. Dabo's got a little bit of a thin skin. He should rise above that. I mean, that's what the money's for, as they say. But uh, I did see someone tweet out a, uh, a video, and I think it's perfect. If you guys watch Righteous Gemstones uh, <laughs> on HBO, Dabo is Uncle Baby, Baby Billy. The way he reacts <laughs> to all this stuff. You know, watch Uncle go outside, Baby Billy? Yeah. That's a great Uncle line. Baby Billy. That's Dabo. That's Dabo Swinney. Uh, all right. I absolutely wrote that down. Righteous rhinestones, uncle. Gemstones. Gemstones. Gemstones, pardon me. And that is Dabo. I am going to be watching that. Yeah, the championship's the money. It doesn't change a random troller in Clemson getting under his skin. You're so right. Brandon Marcello, 24-7 sports national college football reporter at Marcello on Twitter. We're going to come back with Brandon next. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 